Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome back into the Gators Online Show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre back together again after a uh, little break that I had, a little getaway. Appreciate Corey Bender for... uh, holding down the fort as I uh, took some time away, Nick, before things ramped up here in Gainesville for the start of spring ball. It's March Madness. Baseball's in full swing. It's, uh, it's a beautiful time. Uh, it's, it's a busy time for sure. Three sports going right now. Florida uh, baseball off to a great start. Uh, football spring is in the air. You got nine coaches. It should have 10, uh, but <laughs> But we're getting pads today, Zach. You know, as yeah. we record this on Thursday, Florida will be in shells, putting some shoulder pads on. Uh, and basketball is up in Nashville, where I will be next week, as you have to hold down the fort on your own, uh, heading up to the Music City for my bachelor party. And for all the Florida baseball fans that are tuning in right now, we are trying to make it work out so that I do not have to cover any baseball games. Doing my best. I'm doing my best to make sure Zach's not there. Um, so, but nonetheless, we'll make sure that you guys are covered and, uh, so that you guys will be covered this month. Uh, make sure you guys take advantage of our spring ball promo that we have going right now. It's a new special that we launched this week at Gators online. Uh, you can get four months for just 10 bucks. So all of the spring ball action going on, all of the recruiting visits happening, the coaching news and Billy filling out his staff, which is still, uh, still about to happen. And then, obviously, everything that's happening with baseball and uh, the great community that Nick's built over there. So, if you haven't uh, subscribed yet, now is uh, definitely a time to do it because Nick, there's a lot going down on that uh, on those Sanders practice fields, and um, we've already seen two days of practices so far. But like you said, the pads come on today, and uh, it gets real. Today will be the first day I actually like look at a little bit, you know, because you still don't have your your uh, your your you know football pants and thigh pads and knee pads and stuff on. But today will be the first day that I'll, you know, look at offensive and defensive line. Everyone, you know, obviously I, you know, we've written the stories and we've talked about it for this whole retooled offensive line. There's no point in watching them, uh, you know, the first two days, like the, when yeah. the offensive lineman and defensive lineman aren't in pads, they're playing patty cake. You know, uh, when you get the pads on, the helmets are on, things start popping. So I think today and, and uh, Saturday will be the first day where, you know, I really start to migrate over to those big guys. Yeah, and that that is obviously where so much of the focus is just because of how many pieces that they lost along that offensive line and all the new ones that have been added. You lose four of your five starters, basically, even though Austin Barber made uh, five starts last season, he still wasn't a full-time starter. So, But hearing from Rob Sale this week, sounds like he might be – Florida's best offensive lineman right now, or one of their best. And, uh, you know, he's just done a a really good job, I think, just in his development from where he was uh, a year ago. And now you have him and Kingsley Egwakan that are really kind of anchoring that line. And 
After that, it's really a bunch of newcomers. Uh, Richie Leonard's been in the program. He obviously uh, made a start last season for the first time. Uh, actually, that was his second career start. Um, so he's certainly a guy that's probably in line to earn a job. But after that, man, there is a a lot of battles to be had and a lot of depth, I think, to be sorted out. But the good thing is that the numbers are there and the experience is there. And, and as we've talked about on the show before, um, the Gators – lose four offensive linemen and don't have to just completely uh, you know, take a step back from a developmental standpoint thanks to the transfer portal. They're able to get guys that got years of experience, some even as starters, and that's going to potentially allow them to not have much of a drop-off, maybe even improve or upgrade in some spots. And I think a lot of excitement for uh, Micah Mazuka, but uh, again, this is now finally the time we're actually going to see some of these, these guys get to uh, push them folks around. Yeah, the, the big thing for me is uh, from listening to Rob's sale talk is that Micah, listen, I think he's going to play a different position than Osiris. We all talked about Osiris, you know, him being Osiris's replacement, but Micah plays on the left side, Osiris is on the right side. Uh, yeah. But you're, but you're replacing four starters. So yeah. uh, it doesn't matter where he is, he's going to be a starter. The biggest thing that I took away from Rob's sale was sale saying, some guys, you need to tell them how to do something, show them how to do something, and then they need a practice or two to mess up, and then you go to the film room, and then you show them how they messed up, and then they might get it the next practice. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, you tell Micah, hey, you need to do this. And he goes, okay. And you're like, do you got it? You, you, <laughs> were you even listening? And then the next rep, you're like, yep, he got it. That he, yep, he just heard it and did it. So <laughs> to me, that that's just a veteran player. And, and yeah. you get that with through reps and through experience. Um, and, and also some guys just the game comes naturally to them. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think if you asked like Kyle Pitts, he probably would have told you the game didn't come naturally to me. Like he developed into the the monster that he is for the Atlanta Falcons right now. Also, unless the Falcons draft a quarterback, we need to free Kyle Pitts, get him out of Atlanta. <laughs> My goodness. Um, but, I, but I digress. But that that's something that is impressive to me. And and something we had talked about on this show, Zach, was Richie Leonard. Do, do you make him earn – do you make Kingsley earn his spot? Because Richie's yeah. played center. Do, you, do yeah. you put him there? It seems right now, no, that Florida's intent on, on keeping Kingsley Egricon at center and, and having Richie and Mike on either side of him. Um, and then another update that we got from um, uh, from Rob Sale was that you're going to keep Goodwin, uh, Keontae Goodwin, and Damian George on the outside. Yeah, so I think I think Austin Barber has cemented left tackle. Um, and now with those two, one of them will win the the right tackle job, and then you kind of have a swing guy. So I expect you'll probably see Austin Barber playing some right tackle just to give the other guys chances to play left tackle. Like Austin's going to be your left tackle, but if he goes down, you need to have Keontae and, and Damian ready to swing over to left tackle, yep. um, you know, in a pitch. Yep. And that's, you know, honestly, that's what Austin had to do at times last season. And 
One more thing on Mizuka that we didn't just hear from Rob Sale. Uh, I think heard from a couple players, and, and maybe I think even Billy mentioned this. Um, Micah Mizuka is one of the guys on the football team that you do not want to get caught in a dark alley with. <laughs> and uh, we heard several guys uh, mention that. And, and you know, you know as, as Rob Sale said, sometimes that dude just comes in the building pissed off. And, uh, you know, walks right in and early in the morning and he's already got that attitude. Um, he's got that mean streak going. And I do think that that is uh, for just, you know, early comparisons here. And it's not, but that is something that he might bring that's a little bit different than uh, than Osiris. Like Osiris, anybody that met this guy that heard him on our show, I mean, the guy's a big teddy bear. You know what I mean? I mean, he's a very soft-spoken um you know, gentle individual until he straps up that uh, that helmet and he gets out there and uh, goes between those lines. But I think Micah is just uh, got a little bit more of a mean string, got a little bit more of a, you know, mauler to him. And he's definitely going to bring that. I think, you know, you're losing not only him, but Ethan White. I mean, so both of your guards have, have moved on. You needed somebody to step in that was going to be able to bring it like that. And um, it sounds like that's going to be no problem whatsoever uh, with Micah. Yeah, and, and it's a guy who, coming from the Big 12, coming from Baylor to Florida, um, we use the term a lot, and, and it probably it's overused, you know, that chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Guys leaving the Big 12 or the Pac-12, Ricky Pearsall, um, they're coming here to prove a point. Like, hey, you didn't get an SEC offer. You didn't go to an SEC school at a high school. Now that you're here, he's, you know, like Osiris came and, and you're trying to show, or, or Montreal Johnson came, you're trying to show, hey, y'all missed me before. Yeah. And, and now that I'm here, I'm going to show you what you've missed out on and, and that you missed me when you're in high school. So, an established player at Baylor, um, I think you're coming here with, with a chip on your shoulder, ready to prove something. And listen, even though it's a different position, big shoes to fill because you've been put into this box of transfer offensive linemen. And hey, the last one was consensus all American. Yeah. So, so, so good luck. Yeah, that's uh that that is uh, quite the precedence that Osiris set. And um, obviously, that guy had a great showing at the combine. Anthony Richardson tore it up as well. You know, we'll we'll get into that. Um, but I do want to address a few more things from spring ball. One interesting thing that I really took away from the first availability that we got uh, this week with uh, Kingsley Agokan was in talking about kind of the locker setup. And we know that uh, Billy Napier and his staff are very intentional about the way that they structure their locker room and who they sit guys next to and, they switch it up all the time, and um, or should I say every year they switch it up once, and they're very intentional about how they sit guys together. They don't want to you know, just have guys sitting with their position groups or whatever. Um, there's a culture that's trying to get established. And when Kingsley Egwakan told us that sitting next to him now in the locker room to his right and left are Graham Mertz and Tarada Mitchell, and – you know, hearing that we had already, you know, wrote some stuff from the offseason about where those guys were kind of uh, standing in, in offseason workouts and some of the early impressions that they have made. But 
you look at the positions that they play and you look at the void that's obviously there with Anthony Richardson moving on, Ventrell Miller moving on, these two guys are likely going to be the quarterback of your offense and the quarterback of your defense. And then we learn from Antoine Powell that Mitchell already is the guy in practice that is making the calls. Coming over from Ohio State, former starter, team captain, he's literally stepping into Ventrell's shoes and, and, and at least taking on those responsibilities. So the fact that they sat Mitchell and Mertz right next to Kingsley Egokon, who is clearly one of the leaders in the locker room, not just on offense, but in general. He's one of the few guys that's back. Um, that, to me, says, hey, we need these guys to kind of be able to uh, serve the role that Kingsley does, and we need him to rub off on these guys and 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 them to kind of uh, – him to show them kind of what our way is and what our expectations are, and also – you want your quarterback to uh, start building that relationship with his center, and I think that's another reason why uh, Graham is right next to Kingsley. Uh, and when you and I were talking about this on the phone, I said, those are your quarterbacks. Your quarterback, yep. your quarterback of the offensive line, the one that's making the calls. And then, you know, as we called Ventrell last year, the quarterback of the defense. He was, uh, as our guy J.D. Paquel said, Ventro Miller is Florida's Wi-Fi on defense. And when the <laughs> Wi-Fi went out against USF, you could see yeah. how chaotic the defense got. Um, so, again, a guy who didn't play a lot last year but um, has a ton of game experience and someone who Florida clearly uh, – and, and Derek Wingo's you know, injured coming back from an injury from offseason – multiple offseason surgeries. Yeah. Um, and, and I think Derek Wingo will be in the mix. But right now, um, Taraja, how do, you, how do we say that? Do we know? Tarada or Tarada Mitchell? Taraja? I think it's Taraja. Listen, uh, I know I know Florida's listening to this. Rick, we need pronunciation guides. <laughs> we need pronunciation guides. Um, but but I did look up Micah Mazuka, rhymes with bazooka. Uh from the that Baylor makes it website. easy. From the Baylor website. Yeah. Um, I, I think Zach and, and and we'll look at this Gator defense. Um my questions again, and they were answered last year, I think. Um, but my questions again are right up the middle. Um, you know, you got some help with like a guy like Cameron Jackson, Chris McClellan had a really good year. Des Watson, uh, the weight's kind of gone up again. And I don't want to harp on it too much because I think there's, uh, you know, just like some, he knows his weight uh, better than anybody. Sure. Florida knows his weight, and 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 obviously he's not trying to gain weight. Um, so I think there's some stuff going on behind the scenes with him personally. Um, so I don't want to harp on it too much. And, and you just got to get right if you're at that position. Um, but I think you've got some guys there at defensive tackle, nose tackle. You're going to have brand new guys. You're replacing over 120 games played in, in Amari Bernie and Ventrell Miller. And then same thing at safety. Um, and, and we've already seen a player get moved from receiver to safety to try to fill in that room. Um but my big question mark is, is right up the middle uh, with the defense. And when you talk about, to compare it to baseball, when you want a good defense, you need to be strong up the middle. You want a good second baseman, shortstop, catcher, and center fielder. So my questions yeah. for the football team are, are right up the middle. And, and, and how do those new guys, two new starters at linebacker, two new starters at safety, and then how does the inside defensive tackle and nose tackle shake out? Yep. Jervon uh, Dexter has moved on. Got uh, under 5-0 on that uh, 40 at uh, at what, Nick? 
300 plus, six foot seven almost. I mean, Cookie. ridiculous the a- a- athleticism on that guy. Um, I will say that Cam Jackson is another one I think that we've heard from players this week as, um, you know, coming in with that chip on his shoulder like you talked about, Nick, and coming in with a point to prove from Memphis that he belongs at this level and can play in the SEC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And, um, you know, in, in doing that Intel piece I did a couple weeks back, he was one of the guys that was identified to me as one of the new transfers that will be among the leaders in the locker room and, and one of those vocal guys on defense. So you have that. And then, you know, we've talked about it already uh, at length, but the, the quarterback competition now between Graham Mertz and Jack Miller, it's only in its infancy. We're very early on in this process, but I tell you what, Man, people glow when they talk about Graham Mertz in this program. I mean, maybe that'll change if that guy goes out there and has like a three interception scrimmage uh, <laughs> the first time they go out there and, and practice that. But I mean, right now, Rob Sale, his teammates, Billy, like they glow about this guy. And um, it is clear that he has uh, improved that room already just from how he goes about his business. And the fact that he knows what it is to prepare and act and conduct yourself like a full-time multi-year starter. And as, as Rob said, that he is going to rub off on the entire room and uh, okay. definitely what they needed. What's up, Florida fans? Wanted to encourage all of you to go check out RogueShop.com if you have issues sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC, edibles, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, candles, massage oils, pain creams, and topicals. Rogue Shop is a true small business, disabled, veteran-owned, black-owned, woman-owned company. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit rogueshop.com. That's R O G U E S H O P.com. Now, I, I, I want to pull back a little bit, and it's not because I hate Graham Mertz or I think he's terrible, but I see the narrative starting to be like Heismertz. Hashtag Heismertz. Hey, no one, no one, no one said that. Hashtag no, no, yeah, yeah. Well, the fans you know, did. The fa- yes, 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 yes. But yeah, nobody from you. the program is saying that. No, now. no, 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 no. But I'm, but I'm talking to the fans here, Zach. This is a show for the fans. Yeah, uh, I'm seeing hashtag Heismertz. I'm seeing hashtag Murder Mertz. Um, let me go to 2020. Graham Mertz completed 61.1 percent of his passes. Fine. 2021, 59.5 percent of his passes. Fine. But worse, last year, 57.3%. That's Anthony Richardson, who I love. And Florida fans, a lot of them hated last year for completing 57% of his passes. I just want to pump the brakes. Like, as glowingly as everyone talks about Graham Mertz, I don't think he's won the job yet. 
I also don't think he's Joe I Burrow. I think the writing's on the wall, though, Nick. The writing, writing is on the I wall. Think, I think they're writing currently on the wall. They're sitting them next to Kingsley. You got the they're, OC. They're, they're writing on the wall. They're not done writing. But also, like, let's just get expectations to where I think they should be. The 60, under 60% completion percentage two years in a row at Wisconsin, not playing the kind of defenses you're going to play against Utah, LSU, Georgia. Um, like, <laughs> Uh, he he's he's a, he's a he's a fine quarterback. I don't see Joe Burrow 2019. But then again, no one knew what Joe Burrow was going to be when um, Brad Stewart was running back a pick six in the swamp. No one knew that Joe Burrow was going to be that. So listen, if Graham so, Mertz so, turns so, into so that, so you're ending this segment saying he could be a Joe Burrow. <laughs> no. <laughs> You just you just riled up the Heisman campaign. No, <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't think that. I think he'll be a fine quarterback. I don't think he's an All SEC quarterback. But Florida doesn't need him to be. I'm seeing. I'm seeing the responses from three second clips that I'm putting out of, of practice throws <laughs> where no one's guarding anybody. And no pads. Pads. And and I just want. I just want to listen. We. We want to sell and we want clicks, but I, I also want some mental health and I don't want to be dealing with Nick. You said that he was going to be the first pick overall in the next draft. I'm like, listen, let's, we got to have some perspective. He's easy. He's a fine quarterback. Yeah. Anthony Richardson might be the first pick overall. Yeah. <laughs> so crazy. Uh, cause, cause fans told me I was nuts when I told him, Hey, Anthony's gone. You know that, right? Gone where, where is he transferring to the NFL? <laughs> Well, before we get to uh, to Anthony, uh, a guy that the Gators got from the NFL is now full time mm-hmm. on the staff, and that is Russ Callaway, who has uh, been promoted to tight ends coach. Although that has not, as of Thursday afternoon, been officially announced by the Gators yet, uh, but has well, been reported by On Three and Gators Online. <laughs> It, it, they better get to reporting it, or it better, or, or we better be right. Uh, if not, then as you'll see today at practice, Zach, there are major NCAA violations <laughs> yeah. going on because uh, Russ is uh, was an analyst, which means he can't lead uh, practice or, or be coaching in the practice. And as you can see right there, very much so coaching. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think that's obviously. Um, you know, this is is something that I think Billy, honestly, man, is. Um, kind of becoming a little bit of a, a trend. And, and obviously you see this with other coaches too, but the opportunity that he's given guys that he's now hiring and, and working with a chance to move up, uh, a, a chance to start, um, you know, within his program at, at whatever kind of entry position and get opportunities to either get promoted, to get more responsibilities or to get something like this, where you actually get um, a, a really higher up raise. Um yeah, you know, we saw obviously what happened with with Corey Raymond and, and him put more on his plate. We saw Austin Armstrong, a guy that started out as a graduate assistant with Billy, then comes on as a position coach. Now he's made him a, a defensive coordinator at 29 years old. We saw the belief that he had in Patrick Tony, kind of giving him coordinator responsibilities at such a young age. I mean, this is a guy who really um, believes in the coaches that he hires and when they have opportunities if they put in their time and they've earned the job uh, he doesn't hesitate to to go hire a young guy and I I think 
Now, to say all that, um, I'm not saying that to say that uh, Russ is is not at a point necessarily where he's earned this. I mean, you're talking about a dude that's coaching the NFL, that's been an offensive coordinator, worked at Alabama, worked at LSU. Um, he is a younger guy, uh, you know, per se, but uh, this is someone that's that's clearly going to be able to come in, and I think as a tight ends coach, and uh, with his background, I think he's certainly going to be able to recruit. And uh, you already heard some of the reaction on social media, or saw, should I say, from players on the team and some of the uh, guys who know this uh, this coach. Uh, they like to hire, so um, I think it was important for Billy to make it uh, because now you've got Austin in place, and now you've got your tight ends coach, and you're really down just one assistant. But with David coaching the receivers, uh, you know, he, he's been working with that group for over a year now. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of like Armstrong, um, Austin Armstrong with being the defensive coordinator coming in late, he's someone who was a graduate, um, assistant graduate coach under Patrick Tony and Billy Napier at university of Louisiana or, uh, at UL. So the language, you know, the verbiage is yep. there. Um, Russ, the language, the verbiage is there, even though he was a defensive analyst. And I think it's very good and healthy. Um, and we, I've talked to several coaches about this. I think um, I don't remember if it was Jeff Collins or might even Will Muschamp saying, I wish that somebody had made me coach offense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, you just mm. become a better, more well-rounded coach you know, at, as a defensive analyst, you're watching defensive stuff, even if you're a former quarterback. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, remember Garrick McGee before he became Florida's quarterback coach was a, a defensive analyst on Mullen's staff because he'd been a offensive assistant his whole career. And they, they wanted that expertise in that role. And a lot of those, it's like uh, Russ was a defensive analyst. And a lot of what they will do is watch offensive film and then help, explain this is what the offense is trying to do while you're a defensive line analyst. Hey, this is the scheme that this offensive line is doing, and this is what they're trying to get out of this play. And, and it's just a, a different perspective than just the defensive line coach yelling at you that, hey, your hand placement sucked. Um, it, it gets a little more technical. But I think Russ is a good coach, um, certainly has a great uh, track record, you got a Nick Saban stamp of approval. You got a Kirby Smart stamp of approval, uh, and, and you had an NFL stamp of approval as well. So, um, and tight yeah, ends, I mean, a, <clears throat> tight end coach is a position where I don't think you're not. It's tough because you obviously want to be a good on field coach, but I think you're going to make your money as a tight end coach recruiting. Um, I don't think Tim Brewster made Antonio Gates a significantly better tight end. I don't think he made. Uh, you know, Nick O'Leary, a significantly better tight end. But Tim Brewster went and got Dalvin Cook to come to Florida State. And Tim Brewster went and got a slew of guys to come to play, whether it was his position or not. So I think Russ is going to have to show us a lot 
what kind of relationships is he forming in, on the recruiting trail and who can he yeah. get to come and make the team better, whether it's his position room or a different position room. Yeah. And also helps too that, you know, he's a guy that's, that's obviously been on the staff been here the past year. So that's kind of a seamless transition. And then, uh, you know, obviously Austin's coming in as a new guy as a DC, but has worked with Tony worked with Patrick, uh, basically speaking the same language uh, as you mentioned, Nick. So uh, not ideal to be having these coaching transitions right before spring ball, but the fact that you're going to make things as normal and familiar for the players as, as you possibly can, I think that's going to be beneficial. And again, you've got um, you know David working with the wide receivers who's been there this whole time with Kerry. So um that that's given those guys a familiar face every time that they show up to practice, but we still got to find out who the wide receivers coach is going to be Nick. And, and obviously, um, you know, the, the guy that's coaching right now could have a, a chance to potentially get promoted, but there's so many candidates out there. Um, there's so much potential hires that Billy could make that it, it, it looks like it appears at least that he's certainly going to take his time and, and make uh, the, the hire that he feels is the best. Yeah, um, and, and listen, at this point, you're not going to just make – and I think I had said it before on the pod but um, uh, or on the show, but you're not going to make a hire just to make it and then have to make a a fire and a, and a change, you know, uh, on April 15th, <laughs> you know, yeah. on the Saturday after your game. Um, David Doker. Doker? Yep. David Doker um, has led the first two practices. He'll lead the third today. Florida, and it's not for you know a lack of trying. They're not being complacent. Um, we reported two weeks ago now or a week ago now that Florida had interviewed the over Zoom, um, had interviewed seven candidates. Then they brought in several of those candidates to practice who were there on campus for in-person interviews and to watch practice. Nick um, saw him. I seen him. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, you're, you're, Billy's just being cautious. And I think he wants to, or not cautious, just being diligent um, in a background check and, and seeing if you fit in with the coaches. Hey, you watched a practice. What are your thoughts on this? How would yeah. you have done this? What do you think about the way we run things? And, and you're trying to find a right fit. Um to me now sitting here on March 9th, as the Gators are getting ready for the third practice, it's clear that you're not in a rush. Um, yeah. and I thought they would have a hire this week. I'm not so sure if they will um, right now. And this is, uh, this is a situation which uh, is keeping us up and on the phones. And um, from a writer standpoint, would just love for them to make a hire <laughs> and you know, save me some, save me and you some phone calls on a weekly basis. Yeah, and again, there's the potential, you know, like we mentioned for for David Doker. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past uh, Billy to give him this opportunity, especially if he earns it in the spring. But this is a guy that was a, a wide receiver at Louisiana. He spent three seasons on Billy's staff, um, you know, started out as a quality control coach, working with the receivers, you know, his former position. So, you know, now he's come over and, and spent uh, time as a wide receivers graduate assistant, was actually recently named um, to the 30 under 30 list for the class of 23 by our coaching network in February 2023. So 
Um, if you remember, Kerry Colbert, right before he left, Nick kind of shared that news about David and kind of gave him a stamp saying this guy's a star, you know, a rising star. So, again, would not, uh, you know, put it past him to potentially earn that job this spring if Billy doesn't find a candidate that he feels like would be more qualified or a better fit than David would. Um, and then there's also the potential of um, maybe uh, Eric uh, Kaisal, the, the former uh, Auburn OC, who has uh, been a wide receiver coach for several years um, throughout his career, actually has you know only recently coached quarterbacks at Boise State and Auburn, but uh, for the majority of his career has been a wide receivers coach. So he's another option. Um, but between David and Billy being a former wide receivers coach and, you know, I, I think the system that they have in place, I, I don't think it is in any way whatsoever going to hurt the Gators at wide receiver this spring if they don't have a full-time position coach in place. Now, if you didn't have David, uh, it would. Absolutely. So, um, you know, kudos to him for stepping up, and I'm sure this is going to help him get a full-time job down the road if it's not at Florida. Uh, he's on that hot 30 under 30 list. That's what you want to be under. Um, that, that's over for us, Zach. We're on the, uh, we're looking at under 40 list now. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, uh, Anthony Richardson is making a lot of uh, list around this time of year. And uh, initially they were just first round projections. Mm -hmm. And then as we got, Closer and closer, they started uh, becoming top 10 projections. And now that the NFL Combine has happened, Nick, um, man, I think uh, Anthony Richardson might have had a shot of vitamin energy before he went oh. out there and ran that 40-yard dash. Focus. Because, man, his focus that he showed up there in Indy with, that performance that he put on, uh, a record-setting showing by the Florida quarterback, and now – they're talking top five. I even saw Bleacher Report uh, mocked him as the number one pick mm -hmm. for the 2023 draft, uh, projecting Indianapolis to trade up for him. So we knew it. We said on this show weeks ago, 4-4-40. And if you were really listening closely, you listeners out there, if you were really paying attention, you heard me say 45 vert. You heard it first on this show. That that man was going to go out there and jump a 45, and he did it. And, um, you know, it was interesting, too. I, you know, I heard some people try to not necessarily discredit, but try not to make too much of the performance or, you know, because that's not everything that's going to go into playing the position. And, and while that's true, like, that is literally the best combine performance a quarterback has ever put on. And, it is worth making a big deal about because that's how much of a physical specimen is. And the reason why he's got a chance to go top five, top 10, despite only being a starter for one year in an inconsistent season. Yeah, he would be, um, shoot, I forget his name. The guy from North Carolina that went to Chicago, Trubisky, uh, would have the fewest starts of a number one overall pick. If he does go number one overall, uh, since Mitch Trubisky, hopefully, um, he would hopefully he would be better than that. Um, but uh, it, it, it'll be interesting because um, Anthony's ceiling potential is is so crazy. Like he's faster than Cam 
probably a more accurate passer than Cam was at the time. I know fans probably don't want to hear that or, or will try to disagree with that, but I think that's true. Um, and, um, and, and I think what happened was you weren't surprised. I wasn't surprised. Um, nobody around Anthony was surprised, but it's different. Like none of the numbers were unexpected. So really what it was is, now you have 32 NFL teams who are seeing it in person. Okay, that matches the film. That that 80-yard touchdown run against against Utah, yep, I saw that. <laughs> um, and what your broad jump and your vert jump is just shows your explosion. Um, so they do that before the 40. And once you ran 45 – or once you jumped 45, I was like, yeah, 4-4 is coming. Like that that just shows <laughs> your, your explosion and the power that you have. Um before we get out of this segment, we wanted to talk about vitamin energy. Zach, I drink it almost every day. I think you need another shipment, though. Um, yeah, man, my boys have uh, – they found my stash <laughs> while I was gone on vacation, and now I literally only have two boxes left in the house. And listen, when they first started uh, partnering with us, Nick, I mean, they sent us – how many how many boxes did we get? I've we probably got, got like twenty boxes. I got a lot. I mean, of like a, over at least over a dozen. We got two different boxes that had several cases in them. Um, they have all been confiscated by teenage boys in my house. <laughs> I think so, some of mine have made their way to uh, to North Florida Hospital. I think the fiance has taken some. But listen, if you're working a job like that, you know, at a hospital or you're on your feet, um, one of these. Tiny little shots gives you seven plus hours of energy. Um, they're naturally caffeinated. There's no weird chemicals and things in there. It's a green tea extract, gluten-free, vegan, kosher. Um, and, and the thing that I really liked about them, Zach, is that I don't get that crash. You know, when I would yeah. have a Red Bull, uh, you know, one of those sugar-free or sugar Red Bulls back in the day. Um, once that sugar rush wears off, you're, you're ready to hit the, hit the couch and, and take a little nap. So for me, um, being able to take one of these, you know, throw it in my bag and, and drink it in, in two, three sips on the way to practice um, just keeps me going, keeps me focused uh, as we're as I'm doing two sports and as you're doing two sports. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm not a coffee drinker, so I, I never drink coffee. So um, a lot of times when I got to burn the midnight oil and stay up late writing the story, I really, you know, the only remedy I've ever had is drink, drinking caffeine. So uh, to be able to pop open one of these the night before I left on my cruise and I knew I had to uh, get all my work done before I left. Um, that came uh, very much in handy, Nick, because uh, I was probably up to about one o'clock in the morning and um, was able to get the work done thanks to the focus. Uh, so like I said, it looked like uh, Richardson had a, a good shot himself because, man, he was fired out of a can. The dude didn't even run straight on his 40. I told like, him that. I told him that. I uh, I literally texted him Saturday night uh, a video of – it was like a head-on version. And he gets out the gates and immediately goes right and then veers all the way left. I was like, bro, you would have ran a 4-2 if you were just run straight. <laughs> I know. And he hit me back. He goes, if my eyes were open, I might have run straight. Yeah, he's just running, squinting. Um, but he um, – he, uh, he's actually been back. Zach, we ran into him on uh, uh, the last practice. He's back in town, hanging with Vernell, watching the Gators. Uh, and, and obviously, um, I don't know what he'll do for his pro day. 
Don't he's need not to gonna run. To, he's he's already said he's not running. Don't need to improve on much and, and shoot. I mean, maybe you bench press. You you're gonna throw passes, but I don't know that you're gonna. Hey, I'm gonna well, sit on that 45 inch vert. I'm good. Chilling well, on that, that. I mean, as he said, oh, I, I think I heard him on the Rich Eisen Eisen show. He's literally run the last 40 yard dash of his life. That's it. That's. It's got to be a good feeling. Never going to be asked to do it again. And uh, officially a 4.43, fourth fastest 40-yard dash ever by a quarterback. Only Michael Vick, Reggie McNeil, and Robert Griffin III ran faster 40 times. However, none of them them were the size of a semi-truck. Richardson weighs 34 46 and 21 pounds more respectively than those three individuals. Um, but if really the, you know, the, the, what really showed you how ridiculous, and I didn't even know that this was a thing, the RAS, the relative athletic score that they do from the combine. Perfect 10. Perfect 10. And I mean, he's the only prospect in the history of the combine that has scored a perfect 10. The only guy that had uh, that had even gotten close to that was Cam Newton uh, at the quarterback position, uh, 9.99 in, um, in 2011. So Richardson, the only quarterback to get a perfect 10. And uh, I even want to saw like a, I saw another graphic that was made based off this RAS score that just him in general as an athlete was like, um, I think was top 10 in terms of uh, the measurables and, and, and like where he would have ranked relative to all the, all the other guys at other positions. Uh, it's just incredible. I mean, for as long as I can remember, especially being in Gainesville, covering them in high school. Uh, and then certainly Nick, our time here, uh, you know, chronicling his career at UF, we've always known that he was a freak. We've seen it, we've heard it, but to actually see it measured and, uh, you know, to have a number on some of those things, it was just cool to see. It's it's in black and white now. Yeah, yeah. there's there's no there's no it's no it's not Zach's opinion or uh, Nick's opinion, and Nick just likes Anthony, and and he wrote a nice story, and he needs him to to be good so that the story isn't wrong. It's like no man, it's <laughs> it's he put it out, put it out there for you. The the numbers are in black and white. Uh, and I hadn't even thought about it that way, you know, him telling Anthony or uh, Rich Eisen, um, never run the 40 again. Done. Never. Like, never being judged on that again. 443, we'll stand on that. Like, I don't need a second attempt. I'm good. Um, but like you said to your point, Nick, like, dude probably would have went out there and could have done a 4-3 on a straight line. Um so, but obviously, he's not the only Gator that went to Indy and, and put on a, a show. A lot of uh, guys made the trip, uh, worked out for NFL teams and scouts and coaches. And um, I think a lot of guys, obviously, coming out of this process are going to hear their names called in April. Obviously, Richardson's going to be the first off the board, but Osiris Torrance has probably um, solidified himself as a first-round pick. You've got uh, other guys that you know are going to hear their names called. It's unfortunate that uh, Ventro Miller didn't get to work out, but he was still in Indy um, going through interviews and stuff. Richard Garage actually uh, was injured during the combine process, uh, not during the workout, but like the 
like the physical, or I, I forget what what it, they called it a pain it tolerance test and pain tolerance and then, test. And then Ian Rappaport kind of backtracked on that. Um, and, and I'll say this: uh, Ian Rappaport works for NFL.com, which is the NFL. Um, and I don't think the NFL liked the terminology pain tolerance test because what's a pain tolerance test? Hey Zach, give me your ankle. I'm just going to twist it. And you tell me when to stop. And judging on what angle I'm at, when you tell me to stop, we'll tell you how tough you are. Like, what is a pain tolerance? Test? I don't know, so but obviously he, Richard Richard got hurt. <laughs> hey, he's tough. He's tough. Uh, uh, so he, so he, you know, Rappaport kind of uh, backtracked it and said that he came to the combine with an injury and, and part of the physical just aggravated it. That could have been something that happened um, – you know, while playing and practicing in Mobile. Or the Reese's Bowl or something like or that. Or the Senior yeah. Bowl. Um, so I don't think it's, you know, that scenario that I just asked you where a, a medical professional is just twisting your ankle until you say uncle. I don't think that's what it was. But listen, Richard will have uh, a chance to get fully healed before the end of the month when and, and have a chance to do pro day and go through all of that. Trading most best uh, bench press uh, by a defensive back. Um, that was the positive. Um, I think he and Torrance didn't really have great 40 times. Um, so that's, you know, that, that was, uh, I saw, I saw a tweet that if, um, and it's mean, it's a mean tweet, but it was, if you add, you, sure you want to repeat it? it, it's fun. It's not, it wasn't my tweet. I'm just repeating it here. Um, if you add Torrance's and Dean's 40 times, it equals 9.25, which is what they'll be working if they run that slow. Yeah, that's I a, mean that's that's a mean tweet. Um, that's a mean tweet. I would not, I would, I would not have repeated that. <laughs> no, I, I think it's, I think it's funny. But listen, Trading tweeted out that he has, he's been, he's had hip injuries. Um, he's tweeted out that he is dealing with, you know, some hip injuries, and that he'll have another, he'll have another opportunity. Um, yeah, that's what, that's what's great about having a pro day is, it gives you a, a soft cushion. It gives you, you know, if you're walking a tightrope. Um, over the Grand Canyon, the, your pro day is a nice net in case you fall. <laughs> um, so Trey will have to um, run again. Rashad Torrance will have to run again. Um, Anthony Richardson and, will not. No, Anthony Richardson will be wearing some Crocs, I bet. I, I don't think Dexter will run at pro Dexter, day. Dexter means. sits on his. And, and the other thing, too, is that I, I, I think Rashad Torrance, and I thought he would be more of a – a workout warrior kind of guy, super physically impressive. I was surprised that he left, that he declared for the draft, um, and, and his combine did not help him at all. So he now you have, even though the pro day is a safety net, well, not anymore. Now now that safety net has turned into that tightrope without a net because now well, you, you have so much riding on your pro day if you're Rashad Torrance because, um, like, you're a late-round pick right now. Like, you probably – if you have a bad pro day, you probably should have just come back to school because if you have the tape that you have, which is fine, it's okay. You led the team in tackles last year. Um, but if you have a, another slow 40 and don't absolutely crush your pro day, you know, you, you, you might've made a bad business decision. Yeah. And uh, another guy that will be counting on that pro day as well as Amari Bernie. He did not get to uh, work out in Indy. Uh, Justin Shorter did. So um, he's a guy uh, that was there working out, uh, Brenton Cox. Yeah. And I think showing up and being officially 6'5", 
um, in running that, you know, four or five range. Yeah. Um, I think that's really going to help Justin shorter. Um, Osiris, Osiris Torrance, like, listen, nobody was expecting the combine to help him. What he did in mobile and and his four years of film is what makes him a first rounder. Um, There's not a lot of offensive linemen that come out of, you know, the, uh, the uh, underwear Olympics in Indianapolis and teams are like, you know what really changed my mind. He ran that five, five forty and really changed my mind. Um, so I think it's already kind of, you know, set and established where Osiris was, but these skill positions, you've got to have good combines and good pro days. Uh, so, you know, I think Justin shorter will probably sit up, sit on his 40. Um, but he he'll he'll probably be getting with Anthony Richardson like, hey man, we need to figure out these routes. Which what's it, what's in the route tree for us? And I need to make sure I can you know show them that we're running crisp routes and that we're on time and that I'm catching passes. Gut feeling: Does Florida's pro day include Brenton Cox Jr.? Yeah, um, I think it will. Um, I think Florida Florida did not include him in their graphic for the East West Shrine game, and I thought, hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, that's not great. Um, I think even if we're taking out that I think Billy Napier is a good guy who wants to give people chances and gave Brenton a number of chances, um, I think even if you take that out and just you know look at it coldly, it's a bad PR move for Florida to not allow Brenton Cox to come back for pro day um, because he's going to need – to work out for teams at a pro day and Kirby smart certainly isn't inviting him back to Athens for their pro day. So I think it's a bad, it would be a PR nightmare for Florida not to invite him. Um, But knowing, you know, getting back into knowing everything I know, yeah, Florida will invite him. Um, You're you're not going to, you know, blackball Brenton Cox because you had to get him away from your football team. Um, Yeah. And, and, and you needed to get away him away in season. Season's over. You know he's yeah. going to show up for one day, and he's then he's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and it's it, it's it's an opportunity where uh, you would be denying him the chance to work out and denying him the chance for to better his life in the future, which is what you were trying to do for him, even though he got in the way of himself, got in his own way, and you had to. There were consequences you had to put in place for the season um, to deny him now the chance to better himself, I think would fly in the face of everything Billy Napier says that he stands for. And, and if they said, no, Brenton Cox, you can't come, I'd probably have to ask Billy, like, hey, do you mean the things that you said? Because we're buying them. We believe that you want to make these young men better people. Um, and he failed in that aspect, but you're not giving him a chance to rectify that or a chance to continue on with that. Plus, too, that's just a um, a nice way to just let bygones be bygones. And, you know, uh, fortunately for Brent, if he goes on to have a successful NFL career and now he can come back to campus and he's, you know, attends games again. And that's that's another representative that you have of your orange and blue brand at the next level. And there's. Um, you know, that, that bridge has not been burned. So, and not to mention, uh, it is a recruiting tool to say how many guys you got drafted. Brenton Cox will be drafted. That's just <laughs> hey, another, that's a no number. Listen, if I'm, if I'm Ford, I'm claiming, claiming, uh, Jacob Copeland too. <laughs> Man, hey, ran out there with a, ran a four, four. 
shoot, you know, Georgia will probably Georgia will probably claim Brenton too. Yeah, you have a bunch so. of these schools start claiming people. Like, I bet you UL claims that, Osiris. That is and, interesting. And you might have more. UL might have more of a claim to Osiris than Florida does, even though does, your consensus all American. It's three years versus one. Does Florida claim Mahmoud Diabate or one Florida of those claims, others? Florida claims Jeff Driscoll. He didn't yeah. finish here. I tell you what, they claimed that a series win over Miami, didn't they, Nick? Yeah, buddy. That was uh, – I love this series. Um, Florida-Miami, no love lost. Uh, first <laughs> inning. First inning, Yoandi Yo-Yo Morales, who is going to be a top three-round pick, great third baseman, ton of power. He hits a home run. Um, my buddy Jacob Rudner said – Hey, he's going to hit a home run here. He was right. And I said, listen, if you're right, don't watch the ball. Watch him. This kid <laughs> plays with a lot of flair. He turned around and he tomahawked his bat towards his dugout. And I was like, oh, buddy, we are on. We have we have three more games to go. This is the top of the first. And you have already made everyone in the stadium and the other team irrevocably mad. Um <laughs> So from there on, it was chippy. We're yelling at each other back and forth. They're talking. Bats are being flipped. Pitchers are screaming after strikeouts. Um, Friday night, there were 8,000, I think, 8,061 people. It was the second largest crowd in Condren Family Ballpark history. Um, Brandon Sprout was fantastic. Florida comes away with that 10-4 win. Saturday, I think Sully uh, gets a little too – went a little too long with Hurston Waldrip. Hurston Waldrip dominated Miami, 14 strikeouts through six innings. They bring him back out there in the seventh. I didn't think he was really sharp in the sixth, and Florida's bullpen hadn't been sharp at all. So you try to steal two outs with, with your starter who'd been dominating. Instead, he lets the first two guys get on. Now your bullpen – who hasn't been great is forced into an inning with base runners on. And as you can see from the score, uh, things got out of hand in the seventh. Um, you come back on Sunday with an opportunity, uh, a rubber match, the winner take all winner takes the series. Florida comes out four runs in the first four runs in the second. Grand slam. Uh, 8-0 lead. Jack Caglione is is just cruising. He's pitching well. Um, he's been he's been fantastic this year. I got a stat for us after this, but Florida goes on um to to just dominate that game. They win 14 to 4. Ty Evans, uh, they had a, a 10 run rule agreed to. Ty Evans hits a ball, which ends the game. I gave it a 9.8 on the bat flip grade, Zach. I I I am I get a lot of baseball players that are angry with me because they think that my bat flip grade is uh is a little too hard. It should um, be. It should be. It should be. It should be. And, and there will never be a 10. There will never be a 10. So 9.8 is an impeccable score. And it took all things in compass. So Ty hits the ball, immediately starts walking, looking at his dugout respectfully. Uh, cheer, cheer, don't taunt. Uh the bat flip, seven rotations into the air, jumps up. He is losing losing his absolute mind, rounding the bases. Rounding third, blows a kiss to the Canes dugout and to the Miami fans who were sitting ahead of the dugout. As he crosses home, 
throws up a U and smashes it over his knee. So my 9.8 was all things encompassed. Ty Evans lost his mind, <laughs> lost his mind rounding the bases. Um, but it was an emphatic way to end um, the first top 25 ranked series uh, at, at Condren Ballpark. And SEC play coming. So that was the first top 25, but that won't be the last. Uh, Florida was able to handle business in the midweek took both games over FAU and FAU team that had beaten Miami uh, the previous week, a really, really good lineup. And Zach, I got a, a, a blast from the past for you. Oh, there was a Debose in center field. Oh, I saw that. Uh, Debose turns out that it's Andre Debose's younger cousin. Andre was actually named after the baseball player's father. So we had another, we had another Debose, a member of the Debose clan, in Gainesville, I, I love the jokes on Twitter that that said that was Andre DeBose's Brother, grandson. Oh my God, Doctor Farmer, you were wrong for that. <laughs> wrong for that. Oh, that was so good. Um, you know what else was so good was Josh Rivera. Yeah, the catch, the homer, but the best is you. Yeah, you, you did in the dugout. You had a couple of those, um, and, and I loved I loved just the uh, the intensity. It, it's always an intense series, um, especially for uh, for our only two time uh, recurring guest Jeff Cardozo. That is his least <laughs> favorite school in the country. Uh, so Jeff certainly enjoyed it, and um, it, it was just a really I like seeing that because I think that draws more fans in, and we talk, you know. Us in baseball circles talk about growing the game. Um, I think younger fans are attracted to that kind of that kind of celebration, and, and I'm fine with it. So it, it was a fun series. Um, wrapping baseball up a little bit. Florida plays Siena this weekend. Hopefully, they agree to a ten run rule. Um, I think there's a potential that if they do. It could be enacted in all three games. Listen, Nick, uh, two of the last three games, they've ended in eight innings for you. I mean, you are just. Well, one of those games took three hours <laughs> to, to play. So, you know, we played We played the first game against uh, Miami was two hours and 16 minutes. Doesn't get any better than that. That's, that's softball numbers mm, there. Love that. <laughs> Love a good two-hour and 16-minute game. Um, so Florida gets three against Siena this week. Uh, they get the UNF Ospreys. My buddy, who I played high school baseball with, uh, played baseball at UNF. Um, the alumni game, he said that the they were victorious. The alumni beat the current roster. Um, I haven't watched a lot of UNF, uh, but that does not speak highly uh, of the Ospreys that are coming in. So... Uh, you're looking at a potential five and zero week this week, and then you get yep. UNF, and then we're hopping right into to SEC play. Alabama, I think Ole Miss is the second second week. That'll be a road game, and then you got Florida State, a, a three Ooh. three set three pack with Florida State coming in after that. Alabama, look at that! I knew the schedule. Beautiful. It's almost like you've looked at it before, <laughs> many a time, <laughs> many a time. Um, well, as uh, we wrap this up, uh, I want to give a shout out to Colin Castleton and Riley Kugel mm -hmm. for earning all SEC honors and several accolades this week. Um, 
USA Today named Colin All-SEC or SEC Defensive Player of the Year. He got first team All-SEC. Uh, and then Riley Kugel, uh, Freshman of the Week, after his performances against Georgia and LSU and named to the All-SEC Freshman Team. And look, this uh, obviously was not a the year that Florida wanted in terms of the results and certainly in terms of uh, – you know, Castleton's finish. But I think for him, you know, being able to come back, uh, you know, personally and after missing, you know, he missed six games in both seasons. But what was different about this year versus last is last year, he missed six games like right in the middle early on in SEC uh, play. And it hurt you know, the reputation that he was able to build nationally or at least just in league so that he could earn some of these postseason accolades. As he said uh, this week, he felt like he was first team all SEC last year. He just didn't get to play it enough and prove it. Whereas this year, the injury came later. Um, he had already had some dominant performances against Oscar and, um, you know, some of the other bigs in this league that he showed that he deserved was deserving of that spot. So uh, it's unfortunate for him, man. You think about the career that he's, had where every single uh, season the last three years, um, what there's you know he's left wondering what could have been because twenty you lose Keontae Johnson uh, last season he gets hurt and then this season he gets hurt so um, you know I think that that team with Keontae probably really could have been good um, but I, I definitely think certainly the last year and this season the Gators. Uh, could have made the uh, the big dance uh, both the years had he never been injured. So, uh, but he gets to at least go out with these accolades. He gets to go out with his name in the record books, and um, kudos to him for the the career that he had because um, he was definitely one of the bright spots here the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, the only way Florida is going uh, dancing in March is if they get that AQ bid. Uh, would need a spectacular weekend uh, week and weekend in Nashville. Uh, which I will be having a spectacular <laughs> week or weekend in Nashville uh, this time next week. Yeah, that's uh, I tell you what, Florida was in a little bit better standing uh, with hoops. I probably would be doing the show from Nashville uh, right <laughs> now. So, um, but look, Riley Kugel as well. Uh, you know, the, the honors that he got, you know, he's really just been on absolute tear, uh, you know, prior to the SEC tournament eight games in a row that he'd scored in double figures in SEC play. That's the best stretch that we've seen from a Florida freshman since Bradley Beal. So, uh, and the last time that that happened, you know, Beal like just went off at the end of the year and boosted his draft stock to the point that he came out early as, as a you know, one and done. Um, could that happen with Riley Kugel? I don't know if he's, you know, done enough necessarily uh you know built enough of a resume to come out but there are some folks that are mentioning him as a potential sleeper prospect for the draft especially as nick said if they can make a run here and he can have a few more games in march uh where he goes off but you know if you're looking for bright spots if you're looking for signs of encouragement and something to look forward to in the future look no further than riley kugel because this is a guy that they got from Mississippi State who was signed. Um, they get him to stay in state, sign with the Gators. They had to do a ton of uh, 
you know, work with him in order to get him enrolled and in school academically. And then, you know, it's been a process to, uh, I think, get him up to speed. He missed so much of the offseason, and I think that's probably contributed to why it took him some time uh, to go off. But ever since Colin Castleton's injury especially, he's really taken on that role, uh, being their go-to guy. And um, I think for Golden and his staff, that is something that you can hang your hat on. You know, you didn't have the year that you wanted. You didn't have the record you wanted. But you can say, hey, we flipped this guy. We got him to stay in state. We turned him into an all-SEC freshman. Look at the stretch that we helped him kind of have here at the end of the season and the development that he had uh, under our watch. That's definitely going to help them, you know, go out and attract more prospects. They need to continue recruiting him uh, and keep him away from the NBA. Now, I think he should go through the process. Yeah. Um, you know, you can go to the combine and you can get some feedback. But their best recruiting job, Zach – Zachary might be getting Riley, Riley Kugel come back for a sophomore season. And he was asked, and I don't, I don't know where it came from or where where this even got floated, but he actually was asked if he would uh, even entertain the transfer portal, if that was something that uh, he would you know test the market. And uh, he straight up said, that's a lie. <laughs> um so they're, i i they're capping on my name zach yeah man um but i did ask him about the draft and he declined to comment on that and he's gonna as he should focus on the season not make any comments about that but that's clearly going to be a decision i think that he has to at least weigh um and like you said explore but no doubt uh you know for the future of this program and for next season, especially uh, you want to get this guy back and allow him to kind of build on this momentum that he's created here. So um, that will do it for this week's episode. Uh, thanks to Megan for producing. Thanks again for, for uh, to Corey for uh, filling in for me last week and um, happy to be back. Happy to be back on the grass, have football going on. And um, Nick's been having a, a great time covering this uh, baseball team. Make sure you guys are following along with his coverage. Make sure you guys are following along with all that uh, Corey's got uh, going on the recruiting front. These guys are going to be coming in week after week, practice after practice. So uh, make sure that you guys take advantage of our spring ball special at Gators Online. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albuquerque.